Gotta say, you're in a real hurry today, girl. Sorry to start asking to do this with you in the middle of the day. Well, no worries, but someone blew out his voice doing cameos. <laughs> so someone was doing extracurriculars, and then it got in the way of our actual work. So, you know, if we're really going to be honest with each other and have a moment and save it for group, Patrick is no longer on cameo. He had to put himself no, in a timeout. I did. <laughs> Could you imagine being like, I can't do cameos anymore. I lost my voice. That's what happens when you do 100 impressions of Cookie Monster in a two-day period. Hi, Ellen Marsh. Hi, Patricia Hines. You guys, welcome to Obsessed with Disappeared, the podcast where Ellen Marsh and I recap. No, girl, we don't do any. <laughs> Start over. All right, welcome to Obsessed with Disappearing. Maybe if you do it like Cookie Monster, it'll come out easier. <laughs> try it, try it. Welcome to Obsessed with Disappearing, <laughs> the podcast where Ellen Marsh and me tell the stories of missing people by recapping the episode of the IT Channel show that covered their case. And he's out, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Obsessed with Disappeared will return in two weeks when Patrick has regained his voice. <laughs> um, You guys, girl, tell them about the socials where they can come hang out with us. Oh, you guys, we are having so much fun. Our Facebook group is full of a bunch of Looney Tunes. You can find us at the Obsessed with Disappeared podcast discussion group. You can also find us on Instagram at the Disappeared Pod. Also, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, here we go. I'm on TikTok. Oh, God. Oh, God. You guys, I'll be back in a few minutes when she's done hawking her wares. I'm sorry. How's your cameo going? <laughs> yeah. You yeah. can also find me on MySpace and Friendster at... Also, you can send me a postcard. My home address is... If you wake up in the middle of the night, know that I'm lonely. You can reach me at... Also, smoke signals are being accepted between the hours of 9 p.m. and 9 a.m. I'm on TikTok as Ellen Marie Marsh. That's all I wanted to say. My middle name is involved. Guess what? My middle name is involved. I'm on TikTok. I'm on geriatric TikTok, okay? Let me live! All right, you guys, season three, episode four, The Final Chord, tells the story of the disappearance of Brian Barton. Brian Barton unexpectedly quits his band, and now he has disappeared. I thought he had set out to kill himself. And recent events only heighten the mystery. She came to him and asked him to join the battle of good and evil. With each passing day, suspicion builds. Someone in that band knows what happened, and they don't want to share it. Did Brian Barton disappear to start a new life? Or was he the victim of foul play? We don't know what happened. We just know we have our son missing. And it's just a tough life. So, look, I'm going to get this out of the way right at the top, all right? I know exactly what you're going to say. Okay. Even if I knew you for a day, I know exactly what you're going to say. Let's say it at the same time. Ready? One, One, two, two, three. Why does Brian Barton have a nipple ring? Okay. (laughs) That didn't work out as planned. Did you change what you were going to say? Yeah. Okay. Listen, Brian Barton is very good looking. I'm going to get that out of the way. He also has like a nipple piercing in one of the videos. I don't know why people do that. I think some people like nipple play. I do not. Yeah. You said nipple play. I, I almost feel like we should bleep that. That is disgusting. Okay. Well, listen, we're all adults here. I mean, what, 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 you know, some people like a little. <laughs> <laughs> she made the motion with her finger. So Brian is 
25 years old. He plays with a band in Seattle called As Fate Would Have It. Here's the other thing that boys do. Boys make bands, girl. I know. Is there anything bands. Is there anything to do in Seattle besides being a band? Doesn't it rain like 360 days out of the year? That's a full year, girl. It's like how many lakes there are in Massachusetts. You know, girl, a full year. 360 days in one full calendar year. Going back to that, I don't know who's worse, you for saying it or me for not catching it. I know. But it just goes to show without a shadow of a doubt that I don't listen to you when you talk. That tracks. And that's something I'm working on in group. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah, okay, great. So anyway, boys make bands. It's very weird. Brian is in one. And we are learning that at 25, like things are really starting to happen for this band. It's starting to turn more into like a legit band. You know, and we started playing good shows. Brian went out and bought, like, brand new gear, like new amps, new pedals. He was totally stoked on it. He probably blew about, you know, two or three grand on just pumping up his gear for this specific show. They're getting, like, all the good shows. They're turning into a real band. They won a contest to play a thing called the Taste of Chaos Festival in Seattle. They were going to play in front of 6,000 people, girl. I mean, 6,000 people. All I know, too, is that, like, in preparation for this gig, they're buying things called amps and, yes. and pedals, girl. They're spending a lot of money to play for 6,000 people. What's a pedal, girl? It's for the amp. <laughs> What's an amp, girl? It's for the... For the sound. <laughs> you guys, Ellen and I are young and we are tuned into what the kids are doing. I don't know. They're really excited. I guess he moves with his best friend. So we meet a couple people in this episode. We meet his best friend, John Krebs. That's who he moves to Seattle with from Southern California. We learned that he was adopted as an infant and he grew up in a place called Vista, California. Yeah. We have his mom, who's this beautiful silver. What's the female equivalent of a silver fox? I would say silver fox. Oh, okay. I was going to say, I don't know. (laughs) Okay. A silver, a silver hen. No, that's insulting. So you're saying that a man gets to be a beautiful, like a beautiful cat-like animal and she's a clucking bird? A silver possum? A silver bunny? A silver narwhal? A silver cheetah? I will I will accept cheetah. I will accept cheetah. A silver, she's a silver cheetah. So Maureen is his mother and she's a beautiful silver cheetah. And so at 21 years old, he tells his parents that he wants to move to Seattle to like make it in the music scene. The phrase I always remember is he said, that's where the music scene is, Dad. Brian was ready to move and get on and see what life held for him. So I was okay with it. And his mom tells us that she's like, great idea, girl. Just keep in touch. I know. His mother literally says, keep in touch. She's like, I'm going to Seattle, home of Macklemore. <laughs> no, absolutely not. We then meet his very sweet girlfriend from the time, Brianna Duval, and she says, Brian and I were always friends. I'd say a good, gosh, four years before we even started dating. So we really didn't have a courtship before we started dating. We just really jumped into it, um, fell in love really fast, and um, it was exciting. They fell in love really fast because they were friends first, which is always a really good idea. Unlike you, who met your husband and like moved in after six days. Yeah, I come from good, solid lesbian stock, and I don't apologize for it. Okay. Well, I'm just saying. We learned that over the next four years, they say he builds a name for himself in the city's punk rock scene. And I said, Brian and I are not alike. (laughs) And then I asked, I literally wrote this down to you guys. I wonder what the Seattle Indigo Girls scene is like. (laughs) I don't think there is a Seattle Indigo. 
Honey, you are the Indigo Girls scene. You are the only person who brings up the Indigo Girls to this day. I love you. If I were going to move to Seattle, I would definitely be looking for the local Indigo Girls meetup group on Yahoo. And it's called How Long Till My Soul Gets It Right, Seattle. So Brianna and Brian quickly move in together. One of their roommates is like, In the beginning, when they were all super in love, they would always be in Brian's room, like just avoiding the outside world, just locked in there. They spent a lot of time in their room. I was like, <laughs> yeah, remember that phase where you're just like surgically implanted inside of each other's body? Leave them alone. Yes, <laughs> And then, you guys, speaking of lesbians, all of a sudden, Brian is my mom, a big-time lesbian. He's, like, calling his mom. He's like, I want the wife. I want the kids. I want the picket fence. And Brianna's like, he proposed after six months, you guys. I don't think that that is that crazy. Well, no. Well, I knew you were going to say that. Well, because they'd been friends for, like, four or five years. And, you know, when you know each other on that level and then the sex is good, then go for it. But, like, early 20s? Don't you think that's young? Actually, that's a really good point. They were 25. Absolutely not. You're right. <laughs> I retract. I immediately retract. You should not get married before the age of 35 for a separate podcast. You're right. So by 2005, all of a sudden, we're going from like they're inseparable and locked in their bedroom to like by 2005, things are not going well. Right. And the relationship began to have an effect on the band and he was acting super jealous. Like she was a little bit of a party girl. I mean, she's 24, 25, like big deal. So they were playing a gig in Tacoma and Brian sees her what he called flirting with a guy. You know, it just was a guy in the bar at the gig. But then like she tells this insane story. Came up to him and kind of got in his face. And I was kind of like trying to get in between two, like, because I was expecting Brian to throw a blow at him. He sees her from the stage talking to this guy. Right. He like comes down from the stage, gets in this guy's face. Brianna's got to like get in between them. I know. And it should be said that everyone said this was not his normal behavior. This sort of jealous, ragey Brian was not the Brian that they had all come to know and love. That should be said. But like immediately after after that, Brianna is describing that, like, his personality changed, like, in that moment. So, like, they get home and she's like, yeah. it's like he was a different person and everyone around him noticed. Even, like, we also get the sense that, like, she does not really get along well with the band members, like, his best friends. On each side. On each side. It seems like neither party enjoys the other one. Right. <laughs> Whereas I enjoy all parties, girl. <laughs> the dinner variety. The cocktail variety. The game variety. The underwear variety. The sex variety? <laughs> no, too far. I would not enjoy a sex party. I would be the guy at the sex party that's like, are we still doing this? I would be the person at the sex party just like taking pictures, being like blackmail, 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 blackmail. <laughs> None of you are running for office. <laughs> not as long as I have a, a fucking camera phone. I would not enjoy a sex party is all I'm saying. And then, so, like, Brian is, like, off the rails now. Because now he's, like, fighting with Brianna at home. He's going over to the home of the bandmates, which, if I may, yeah. they all live together in a house, girl. Yeah. Can you imagine the bathroom situation over there? Yeah, so here's my take on that. Yeah, there should be a cap on the number of, like, heterosexual men that are allowed to live together below the age of, like, let's say 35. Right, yeah. I mean, boys are disgusting. The smells, the things that come out of their bodies, yeah. the hair... Yeah. 
<laughs> anyway, I'm glad we got that out of the way. Yeah. He's over there and he's just like complaining about Brianna and saying he wants to like break up with her. Like zero to 60 with Brian in this situation. Right. So it's Tuesday, March 8th and he does just that. He breaks up with her and says we were never right for each other. But he calls her at work. Brianna is telling us. I was at work and he called me and it sounded to me like he had had a long discussion with his friends and he came to the conclusion that we just weren't right together. And we had just moved into that town home and I thought that we were on a different part of our relationship and so it was pretty shocking. Yeah, he called me at work to break up with me. Like, you couldn't wait till she got home, girl? Yeah, and then they said the bandmates and his friends were like, yeah, no, that's a good decision. Yeah, no, that was, yeah, she was, Brianna was a fucking bitch. Yeah. After like five years, it is crazy. But then immediately, Brian's like, well, actually on second thoughts. Right, and when Patrick says immediately, we're talking the next day. Yeah. So the next day, he's like, yeah, no, remember that thing about the breakup? Let's do a redo. I actually don't, <laughs> I don't want to break up. So he calls his bandmate, Dylan, who we'll talk more about him later, and says, He called me and talked to me. You know, he said he wanted to quit the band, you know, and I was like, why? You know, he's trying to say, well, it's, I just don't like the music. But then like the day before, he was just saying it was the best band he was ever in. Actually, I got back together with Brianna and now I'm going to quit the band. Right. Brian's really having a hard couple of days, you guys. Yeah. And it doesn't make any sense. Everyone is like, what are you talking about? Even Brianna, who's like, yeah, I don't really like those dirtbags with the filthy bathroom. But even still, Brian loved being in the band. They were going to go on tour together. Yeah. He had bought like all this brand new equipment. The bandmates to this day look at the camera and they're like, oh, he chose his girlfriend over the boys. Yeah, exactly. So I was just like, yeah, guys, did you ever think that maybe he just didn't want to get in a fart van with you and drive around California on tour for three months? <laughs> God damn it. They officially by week two are calling it the fart van. You know they are. I mean, because boys are disgusting. 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 I feel like it's officially called the fart van tour. Can you- <laughs> Also, like, who's running the show over there? Like, who's running the calendar? And the whole situation of, like, these guys in a van driving around California to play gigs makes me very nervous. What are they eating? It's just Cheetos. It's just Cheetos and Mountain Dew in the fart van. Cheetos and Mountain Dew and ramen. Like, we got the snacks, and it's just a hundred boxes of ramen. They don't have a microwave or any hot water, so they're just eating, like, the uncooked... And then they're like dumping that packet of seasoning into their mouth and swishing it around with the Mountain Dew. Boys are the worst! Boys are disgusting. Let's just call the episode Boys are Disgusting and like not call it the name of the episode, which is like the bad court or whatever. No. It's just called yeah, Boys t- are Disgusting. That's our new podcast! Totally. It's Patrick and Ellen. Boys are disgusting! <laughs> Meanwhile, I fall into like nine out of ten of these categories. I know. You're, I feel like I had Cheetos and Mountain Dew yesterday. You're disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, he just sits in his fart box all day making podcasts. Oh, okay. <laughs> So we're going to meet a lot of the members of the band, but I have to note, if you have not watched the episode, one of the guys named Dylan, I don't know whose call this was, but he appears to be in what looks like to me the Swiss Alps. Like he's basically just a male Maria Von Trapp sitting there in the mountains. Then we have hot Rusty and then Rusty is basically like in the corner of his bedroom without a mic or lighting, like talking in the shadows. (laughs) But what 
happens is like after Brian breaks up with the band, he then sitting with Brianna in their living room, calls the band, puts them on speakerphone, and then is trying to egg them on to say shit about her. It's totally like the mean girl's trap. They're like, you totally hate her, don't you? Right? You can tell me. <laughs> and then like Brianna's like sitting there listening. But like the boys aren't falling for it. When Brian called us that day, he sounded very neurotic. He was not himself. It sounded like he was trying to get us to say something bad about her so she could hear it come out of our mouths and he would have a reason not to be friends with us. All the guys are like, dude, we know what you're doing. Yeah. Like, it's so obvious. And each side is sort of using it as the excuse. Like, Brianna's like, the band broke us up. And the band's like, the girl broke us up. Like, it's totally weird middle ground mind game that Brian's playing. And everyone on either side is kind of like, we know we we know what you're we we can hear you're on speakerphone. Totally. It seems like whatever is going on with Brian is like a major shift from like how he literally was like two days ago. Yeah. And then he does something even crazier. Like a couple hours later, he leaves the band and then he makes another erratic decision. And he's like, not only do I want to leave the band, I also never want to see you guys again. Yes. And Brianna said he was super erratic and emotional. Like he was crying and like he was just making again just to reiterate, everyone is collectively saying this is weird behavior for Brian. Like yes. nobody quite knows what's going on. For sure. And then like, this is the night that Brianna and Brian have decided to get back together. At the end of it, she goes to sleep upstairs and he sleeps on the couch. The making up isn't going great. Girl. It's <laughs> yeah. not going great. It's not going great. So we're at Thursday, March 10th. Brianna wakes up and notices that Brian has gone to work and she's like, oh, sweet. Like he's getting on with his day. Yeah. He also has agreed to make an appointment to see a counselor that day. Um, and he expressed to me that he was nervous about this counseling appointment. And I said, you know, well, that's natural. And I'm proud of you for, you know, making this move in your life. I think it's going to be really positive. He thanked me for always being there for him. And I said, of course, I love you, you know. And that was it. He didn't say goodbye. Obviously, Brianna, without saying so, is concerned, right? Yeah. And she says that he ends the conversation by saying, thank you for always being there for me. Goodbye. And then I went, no. Like, it's the thing, like, in retrospect, she looks back on it. She's like, oh, like, he was really saying goodbye. We remember when Brendan Fuchsa did that? Yes. And he texted his girlfriend, like, goodbye. And he said her name. He's like, goodbye, Cheryl. Yeah. Like, whoa, Brandon. What's going to be the last thing you say to me, girl, before someone wraps you up in an extra large tarp and throws you in the back of a van? What's the last thing you're going to say to me? Like, it'll be something to the effect of, like, I swear to God, this is my last margarita tonight. I swear to God. Do you know what I think of you? <laughs> Do you know what I think of you? Where are you going? I'll tell you what I think of you. You love to tell me what you think of me when you're drunk. Do you know what I think of you? It's 99% of the time it's like, I love you and I'm so glad I know you. I know. And then you cry. And then you're like, I'm not crying because I'm drunk. Yes, bitch. You're crying because you're drunk. I swear I'm not crying because I'm drunk. Oh, okay. What are you, my love? You make it sound like I should be committed to Betty Ford. No. <laughs> 
No. No, just the outpatient program would be fine. So at five o'clock that day, that's when his therapy appointment is supposed to end. And Brianna is calling him and it's going straight to voicemail. Like he's not picking up the phone. And she doesn't really think much of it, but like she gets a little concerned. So she leaves work early. She goes home and she sees his truck and she's like, okay, great. He's here. Great. But she goes inside and he's not there. So she keeps calling him and still nothing. And then, and this is bananas. She goes into the truck and she sees his keys and his cell phone right. are like there. So she's been calling his phone, but it's been there the whole yeah. time. And I just wrote, uh-oh. Yeah. And she freaks out a little bit, rightfully so. She goes upstairs and like his work clothes are there. His wallet is there. And then she opens his wallet and there's $800 cash. Now that really freaks her out. This isn't normal for him. He doesn't leave his money behind. He doesn't leave his life behind like this. Something's going on. Yeah, and it would freak me out too. Like, he's just gone, right? Like, he's nowhere to be seen. His truck is here, his wallet, his cell phone, his keys. Like, where did he go? Right. Can I be you for a second? Yeah. Where'd you go, sis? (laughs) (laughs) I was thinking this morning about how you say sis all the time. Where'd you go, sis? This section ends with Brianna just being like, this is not normal for him. Like, where the fuck is he? Right. And Brianna's freaking out. And the band is like on the other side of town or whatever, being like, uh, cool. So who's going to play guitar? Like, Dylan sort of plays guitar. And like, John can play like six chords. Like, Brianna's having like an existential crisis. And the guys are like, who's yeah. going to play the freaking gig? <laughs> Who are we going to get on the axe? Did Brian take his amp? I freaking just bought that amp. I got like three new pedals. I don't know what the pedals do. I have no idea what the pedals do. But I have this vision of in an alternate universe, you being a straight guy, but like a closeted gay guy. You'd be like, and then you in the corner being like, yeah, I bought three pedals. And then your internal like your internal narrator is like, Patrick had no idea what pedals did. And remember, like the band and Brianna, like don't love each other, but she's sort of panicking and she calls them and fills them in. Brianna called freaking out. Because uh, she was all, you know, Brian's stuff is all here. He's not here. I don't know where he is. Can't get a hold of him. He's gone. So me and Ryan took off and went up to Federal Way and went looking for him. We got some flashlights, went, you know, walked around the trails, drove around. Like, these guys really care about him. So, like, a couple of the band members drive to their neighborhood with flashlights, and they're immediately, like, searching the woods? Yeah. They didn't really expect, like, we grabbed flashlights, and we went to the woods. Like, that would never be my go-to. I'd be like, check the bars, check the restaurants. Should we check the woods? No, don't go to the woods. He's not going to be in the woods. That's a waste waste of resources. I got a flashlight! No, no, no one's going to the woods. Like, why do boys always want to go to the woods? They're disgusting and they want to check the goddamn woods. No one's in the fucking woods. Oh my God, that's sweet. You guys, if I go missing, you can leave your flashlights at home. Yeah. Like, there's absolutely no need for it. Yeah. The first place you check are the bars and the restaurants. The last place you check, the gyms. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, the gyms are safe. Yeah. The, the gyms are the woods, basically. Should we check the gyms? No, he's for sure not at the gym. <laughs> I feel like we should check the gyms, too, just to, you know, cover our bases. I promise. I promise. <laughs> 
<laughs> you guys, I did used to exercise. I, I did. I know. I you're so cute. So Brianna's freaking out. They're checking the woods. Brianna's checking the apartment and realizes that the bottle of Tylenol PM they had was gone. And Ugh, that was totally a callback to Lee Cutler. Remember they yeah. found the Tylenol PM in the woods? God. Yeah, I know. I thought the exact But she thing. also like remembers this conversation they had had the week before. We were laying in bed one night and he just told me that his angel came to him. And I asked him, I was like, oh, that's a weird dream. And he said, no, she came to me. And I said, okay, um, that scared me. She was very real to him. So this is kind of important to me, I yeah, think. Yeah, for sure. Like, this moment was, like, a big revelation for me. This sounds like something that, like, Brianna had known about. His angel was, like, a thing. But, like, he's saying that this angel came to him in real life. But she came to him and asked him to join the battle of good and evil. And I asked him, how would that happen? And he said, I would have to die. So this is where I put my foot on the brake. And right. I was like, so it sounds to me with very little knowledge of the subject that he's having some sort of psychotic break. Like this sounds like schizophrenia to That's me. That's exactly what I wrote down. And so I know from a history with a friend of mine that schizophrenic symptoms come about generally in males and generally in their early 20s. And right. my basic level of schizophrenia is just, you know, distinguishing reality from fantasy. But it also manifests manifests itself in just expressing and managing emotions and inability to make decisions. There's a lot of mild symptoms. It's not just, you know, I see a 20 foot lizard climbing up the building. Right. But something else that I Googled that I found really interesting in some of my research was people who are schizophrenic or prone to schizophrenic episodes, they're generally triggered by stressful and emotional life events. So I was like, that makes sense too. Yeah, totally. You know, he had moved in with her, the breaking up the band, the pressure. So maybe he did have this underlying condition. Obviously, we are not doctors. We are not diagnosing him. But you and I off mic yeah, talked yeah. about that was sort of the first thing that came to our minds. Yeah. And so Brianna calls her mom. She didn't understand. I mean, it was confusing. She said, I think you need to call the police. And the police initially, they didn't want to file it as a missing persons. And that wasn't even what I was wanting. You know, it's like, I just need someone to be aware that something's going on. Her mom literally is like, I don't understand a word of what you're talking about, girl. You need to call the police. Right. And she calls the police and the police were less than helpful. Yeah. So it's Friday, March 11th, 9 a.m. There's still no sign of Brian. And so Brianna calls Brian's parents. I feel like it took a little bit longer than it should have. But the mom and the dad call the police right away. And this is where the cops legit say to this guy's parents. You know, he can go missing if he wants. He's allowed to do that. He can go missing if he wants to. Right. And the police say something that made my large mouth fall to the ground. <laughs> Your large and beautiful mouth, girl. Oh, I love you. They say, we'll look into it and hope he turns up. <laughs> and I was like, you hope to get a raise. You hope your team wins. How about we actively try to find a missing person? Yeah. I mean, like, you know, I hope my skin keeps its elasticity. <laughs> but, you know, who's to say? Elasticity, girl. Elasticity. You know. So the bandmates now, we're back to Seattle. And the bandmates who had been looking all night in the woods are now calling the other bandmates. And they're like, well, I've been out here all night looking for him. And uh, can't find him. And he left all of his stuff here. 
I think he's dead. We can't find him in the woods. He's probably dead. And Rusty, the one who's like sitting in the corner of his room with no makeup and no mic. I call him hot Rusty in the dark. Totally. <laughs> he's just hot Rusty in the dark. <laughs> Rusty literally is like, that's a little dramatic, no? Like, Rusty literally is like, why are you? jumping to kill himself. And I was like, actually, Rusty girl, that's a very fair question. <laughs> Wait, but then what does Rusty say? He goes, My first thought is like, why would you automatically assume he was dead? You could have just gotten angry and, you know, spent the night at a motel or just slept under a rock or something. I was like, like a leprechaun, not Rusty? <laughs> I'm so confused, honestly. But then by Sunday, the bandmate John is like, okay, it's been days and days and days and no one's heard from this guy. Like, something bad is happening. Right, and then Monday, March 14th, he's now been missing for four days and the police are like, uh, you know what? I think we should get involved now. <laughs> I think, I think they've waited long enough. It turns out he might actually be missing. So here's what we're going to do. We are going to put the shittiest cop we can find on this thing. <laughs> no, 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 Patricia. She is not a cop. What? What is she? I don't know. What is she? She's called a police support officer. Is that right? Her title is a police support officer. She basically is a nosy Nelly who keeps going to the cops and they're like, can we give Darlene the title over here? She is a police support officer. She is not a cop. I don't know what she does. What? I've never heard of this. Uh, nor me. Okay. And she's the one that they put on the fucking case of the missing kid? For now, yes. I mean, honestly, listen, you guys, her name is Darlene Deo and she can choke. Okay. She sucks. She... Deo. Yeah. Me say Deo. Yeah. Daylight come and Darlene should go home. Oh, that was Day good. <laughs> what a twist. I totally just came up with that on the spot. Oh my God, what a just No, honestly, Darlene can get wrecked. I don't even care. The look on your face when you realized I was going to go through with the whole verse, you just pouted. Yeah, I know. But then it turned up and you really turned it around for me. We really made a 180 and it came back to Funny Town. So I'm proud of you. Thank you. Uh, I mean, you know, you're funny. You're a comedic podcaster. You know, I'm not going to applaud a fish for swimming. You should be funny. You know what I my mean? Mom, my mom called me the other day and says, Patrick, I'm reading on the internet that you're a gay comedian. <laughs> Does your mom have a Google alert on you? Probably. She goes, I'm seeing on the internet that you're a gay comedian. <laughs> what? Oh, Pam Parker. <laughs> My mom has a Google alert on me and she'll be like, so what's this concert you're singing at on the 6th? I'm like, Mom, get off my jock. Why are you so nosy? Oh, my God. Ugh, my mom is obsessed with me. I know, it's true. Okay, you guys. All right, I'm going to have to take off. I'm going to have to take off my sweatshirt. Shut I mean, <laughs> Darlene has me in a place. So anyway, Darlene's first thing she notices, the length of time for which Brianna reported him missing. She says, Normally, a person would be missing for 8, 10, 12, 24 hours. Then someone would report them missing, especially an adult. Usually, people take 8 to 10 hours. She reported it after only a couple of hours. And then she says, If flag went off in my head. Do we have a Malfour girl? This is not the first Malfour she gives us, and it is not the last Malfour she gives us. But, like, I honestly thought she was an officer. I'm so glad to know that she's not, because she is a 
fucking idiot. I'm sorry. She's just like, she gets these like senses of things. And I don't understand why she's allowed to investigate. Seattle, explain yourself. Darlene tells us, well, his keys were left. His wallet was left. He had $800 cash on him. Everything was left. I was like, Darlene! (laughs) We know this shit, sis! We know this! But she also, like, she says she finds out that he had a counseling session the day that he disappeared. So she calls the counselor, and the counselor tells her everything they talked about. She said that when Brian came in, he was depressed. Little, he was sad. He was upset. His relationship with his girlfriend was off and on. And he brought up to her that... You know, because he was adopted, maybe that's why he has trouble with relationships. She's not a cop. Why are they divulging this information? Listen, Darlene showed up to the party late. We already have a buzz on. We got a fuck ton of inside (laughs) jokes. She showed up as sober as my Catholic grandma with fucking cold (laughs) buffalo dip. Come on, Darlene. The one thing I will say is that, like, we learn about this counseling session. And the last thing he said to the counselor, like, basically on his way out the door was, Now I know what I have to do. That was the last thing he said to her. Now I know what I have to do. And he left. And who knows what that means. And I was like, counselor, you didn't want to ask a follow-up question? You got a kid coming to you because he's sad and depressed and he's walking out the door saying, now I know what I have to do. And I'm like, what did you look at the clock and be like, oh, the 50 minutes are up though. Yeah. I guess I'll ask you next week, girl. Tell me next week what you're going to do, okay? (laughs) Write it in your journal and then report back. I was like, what? So Darlene, you know, dippy Darlene over in the corner thinks maybe he left behind to find his birth mother. Really, Darlene? So the mother Maureen, Mama Maureen says they check with the National Adoption Agency and it doesn't seem like he reached out to his birth mother. And then we're told that, like, Brianna's saying that, like, his favorite saying was, you know, when time got hard, I'm just going to go to Mexico and grow bananas. Walking out of his life was always kind of an option for him. Yeah. I'm like, that's just a thing that people say. Like, nobody takes that shit seriously. Yeah. Every episode of anything I cover, I find five guys I'm going to leave my family for. I'm not really going to do that, probably. Come, me banana. Who knew that? going to circle back to us. I didn't. Okay. So people start weighing in about suicide and Dippy Darlene calls poison control and poison control says that the amount of Tylenol PM left wasn't enough for him to die off. Of, I, I I don't care what she says. But anyway, we go right. to Dippy Darlene <laughs> 10 days later. Mind you, she's four days behind the investigation. This is March 21st. And she's not an investigator. I want to know her level of training because you guys, Darlene and Brian's parents go to the apartment, the apartment that Brian shares with Brianna. And like, this is enraging. That they even oh oh god that they even put this in the episode is enraging. Yes, Darlene is telling us to this day she walked into the apartment and she just knew. Yeah, her spidey senses went off. She says she's describing the energy and the vibe, the environment in that apartment, in Brian's apartment that day. You could feel the tension. You could feel the 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 electricity in there, and it, it, the the vibe or the feelings in there was just. Something happened there. She's saying that, like, I know that we are now not looking for a person who walked away. We're looking for somebody that something bad happened to, and it happened to them in this room, and I just know it because I feel it in my bones. Like, this is not okay. She is, like, contaminating the crime scene herself. Where is a real fucking officer or detective? Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. I don't know how this is legal, because if there were actual evidence there, she wouldn't know how to spot it. She doesn't know how to look for it. She's saying she's scanning the walls, looking for blood on the 
the walls or anything wrong. And then she says she sees a bent screen door that's come off its track. The aluminum frame was was bent probably about a 30 degree angle. When I saw the screen door in that condition in Brian's apartment, I thought a struggle had ensued. Something had occurred in that apartment. She is convinced. Just seeing this like bent screen door in the backyard, she is convinced that there was some sort of struggle and something happened there. And she goes, what happened? And they all go, I don't know. You know what happened? They had a gig and then they had 12 people over. Yes, exactly. And someone had too many freaking Zimas and (laughs) fell into the screen door. It's not that deep. If we had a drinking game, the amount of time she said the word screen door, you and I would be passed out on the ground. (laughs) Wait, wait, sorry, sorry. Is a drinking game an option? I didn't... Is a drinking game an option? Yes, my love. Start right now. (laughs) Go for it. But like, what is happening is that she is jumping to the conclusion that these people did something to this person. And then she gets those blinders that you hear about all the time. So they're not pursuing any other leads. And she's saying, she's looking around the room, asking them what happened to the screen door. She's describing that everyone in the room is afraid of this guy, Dylan, who's apparently standing behind her. And she's describing that like, they're looking at him before answering the questions. And obviously he's the ringleader or they all are in on it together. The police force of this town should be ashamed. Yeah, no, they're looking around the room, Dippy Darlene, because you look like an idiot. Exactly, exactly. They're looking around the room because their friend is gone. You've now given them all the information that they've gathered over the past 10 days, repeated it back to them, and you're not helping. That's why they're looking at you, weird sis, because (laughs) you look like an idiot. Every time you say sis, it makes me laugh so hard. This is the first time you said it, like, not yelling, so it can be done that way, it turns out. Then she says... It appears to me. I know what you're going to say. I believe that all of Brian's friends and band members collaborated their stories. I'm going to say this real calmly. (laughs) Do you mean corroborated, sis? Do you mean corroborated, you numpty? Yeah, and like, she's saying that they're all in on it together. And like, I'm just going to say this here. She is assuming that like, all of the bandmates and the girlfriend are in on this together. They killed him or there was some kind of accident that resulted in his death and they're all covering for each other. Right. That never happens. Yeah. That never happens where you get five people to be on the same page about the story. Nobody breaks. Like, that is not a thing. Everybody is bad at murder. Everybody. Right. And she goes on to say like how, you know, the apartment is in disarray. I'm just like, bitch, they're 20 years old. They pee on the oh, walls. God, no. Okay. No, no, God. No! No. They're just, they're gross. I mean, listen, saying men are gross is the equivalent of saying women are crazy. And I don't accept right. that. Women are not crazy, but men are gross. Okay. The thing is, I totally agree with you on both counts. I totally agree. But then Tarlene is just like, these are signs. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, they're signs. They're disgusting. It's not signs that they're a murderer. Right. <laughs> But then a month later, Wednesday, May 11th, 2005, suddenly Hot Rusty is super suspicious of all of his bandmates that they actually are involved in a murder. I started to think that whatever happened that night, maybe some of my band members were involved in it. And that really freaked me out. And that's why I quit the band. He quits the band. Right. That does seem rash. However. Remember, Rusty was a level-headed one. <laughs> I know. But, like, they all start to kind of, like, you know, it takes its mental toll. Like, yeah. our friend was here and now he's not. And Dippy Darlene is judging our screen door and our bongs on our table. Right. <laughs> you know? So, it's just, like, getting in their head. And then this guy, Dylan, remember Maria Von Trapp over in the Alps? Yeah. He makes this weird MySpace post. Because- Because he's mad. He's mad that Rusty quit the band. So now he's like 
taking it out, unlike the 2005 equivalent of social media. <laughs> right. So he put a picture of him holding a gun and saying about Rusty leaving the band and saying, ending him is my payback. We now know our reach of social media. Yeah. And you would never joke about having a gun unless, you know, you're a crazy person. So, like, that was for his five people on MySpace who saw it. It was something that is very 2005. Also, do you remember MySpace? Oh, uh, yeah, I do. I mean, I actually remember MySpace because around that time, I lost a whole bunch of weight and I met Steve using pictures that I took when I lost a whole bunch of weight, tricked him into marrying me, quickly gained all the weight back, but the pictures still live on my MySpace page. <laughs> I mean, I just remember Tom. Remember MySpace, Tom? Of course. He was all excited for me to join MySpace and that dude <laughs> never checks in with me anymore. Wait, can I tell you one more thing that I learned about uh, this guy, Dylan? Yeah. You guys, this guy, Dylan, is a large man. He's just a big guy. Yeah. His nickname is Tank. Right. He embraces it. That is my nightmare. Yeah. That is my absolute fucking nightmare. You know, in my brain, I weigh 140 pounds, right? Yeah. I mean, you do. <laughs> you, well, I mean, you weigh 147. So you're off by like seven. Months. You guys, I love myself and I love everything about me and I think I look fine. But if anybody ever calls me Tank, I will murder you in front of your whole family. Yeah. I will literally get your entire family together and then murder you in front of them. <laughs> You think I won't do it, but I will. No, I believe you. I'm mostly a nice person. At least I am on podcasts. I will do that. I know. I would never. So it should be said, May 23rd, the case is handed over to a real detective. So Detective Doug gets assigned to the case. On June 9th, he literally hauls in Brianna, Ryan, and Dylan. And like, they say that they brought them all in for like interviews. Brianna's like, no, sis. Did I do it right? Good job. Good job. Good job. Actually, they came pounding on my door at five in the morning and dragged me out of bed to bring me downtown, she sits for an interview with the cops. Now, the cops think because of this idiot Darlene, they think that Brianna and the band members were in on this murder plot. So the cops record this interview of her without her knowledge. She didn't know. She says to us now, I had no idea I was one of the suspects. Yeah. And in one of the questions they asked, if anyone could have killed Brian, who was it? What? I th- like, <laughs> I know. And they're all just like, oh, I guess he was mad at him because he, uh, she was mad at it. Uh, she broke up with, like, nobody has an answer and like they are just the keystoniest cops ever like this is what we're going off of you know how like in every other episode it's like oh he's allowed to leave he's an adult if he wants to leave he can go we don't want to do our jobs we're not going to look at him why are you guys creating so much work for yourselves by inventing murderers where there obviously aren't any yeah so now we're in June June so if anyone was remotely taking this case seriously they would have gone through his apartment in March remember dipshit Darlene goes through his apartment. They go through his apartment in June. Basically like officer when we get to it and lieutenant when we have the time. Walk through the apartment. When I went to the apartment, we started looking around, um, just looking for any kind of fresh paint or anything that would show some kind of struggle. And they're saying they're looking for fresh paint, anything that would indicate a struggle. It's been fucking months. These people are idiots. At the same time that they're searching the apartment, they've got another team searching the property behind Dylan's grandmother's house because that's where the band rehearsed and that's where Dylan and Ryan, the other, quote, suspect, said they were on the night that Brian disappeared. So, like, two things happening at once. At the house, they actually find a carpet that has a stain on it that they send off to the lab to be looked at to 
see if it's blood. And on the property where they're looking behind Dylan's grandmother's house, they have cadaver dogs and the cadaver dogs hit on a hole that had like freshly disturbed earth. So now it's like, now the cops are like, did they kill him at the house and then bury him at the property behind Dylan's grandmother's house? Like, it is crazy. I just like, also, if you cared, why didn't you do it back in March? Exactly. And like, all of this comes to nothing because they get the test back from the lab. It wasn't even blood. They get the results back from the samples they took from the grandmother's house. It was a dead dog. It's like, you guys are creating all this fucking work. This is ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, Seattle, you gave us Pearl Jam, but pretty much (laughs) like, you've given us a lot of stress on this case. Frappuccino. I'm willing to forgive a lot for the caramel frappuccino, but God, you pushed me a little too far, Seattle. Yeah, you've really pushed us far today, Seattle. Yeah. So that is where the episode ends. And do you have any updates? Yeah, you don't? I have all the updates. Oh, great. I just wanted to throw the mic to you and see if you had an update. See if your Google machine worked today. Yeah, I mean, I didn't get a ton of details, but I found out, you guys, this happened in 2005. Two. 2017, they find the remains of Brian Barton behind a church one mile away from the apartment that he had shared with Brianna. One mile, you guys. Yeah. All this time they were trying to pin a murder on these kids. They could have just done a search of a mile radius and they would have found him. I guess they didn't take those flashlights very far in the woods. No. No. And like they say, we probably won't know how he died. From what they were able to determine all 13 years later or whatever, they are able to say that it doesn't look like it was a murder. So, you know, they're saying like, we will probably never know what was going on in the last minutes of his life. But like, it seems to me like he took his own life. And then we find out that Tank died of a heart condition in 2015, an undiagnosed heart condition. Yeah, I know. Yeah. And his mother made a really beautiful statement. It says, it is with great sorrow and heavy hearts and many tears that we must inform everyone that our beloved son, Brian Barton's remains have been found. He was bigger than life and we will miss you forever. We will bring you home so you can rest in peace with your family. Love you. And listen, nobody knows what happened. I just want to say that I have said this before, but I just want to say there is no roadmap to suicide and I don't want to speak at a turn. I feel like he might have had a psychotic break and he might have killed himself. Yes. It seems like he was having some sort of psychotic episode. Now that, you guys, we are basing that just on what we see in this episode. I always feel like there's stuff left out. There's stuff we don't know. The episodes never really delve into mental health that much. So we don't know anything, but if I had to guess, that would be my guess. Yes. Yeah. So at least they know and at least they have an answer. But I definitely think, I mean, that phrase when he said, now I know what I have to do. I mean, that's chilling. So yeah. Say something funny. Oh, Darlene can take a long walk off a short goddamn pier with cement shoes. Season three, episode four. Girl, we're going through them. We're going through them, girl. We're going through them. Join us in the Facebook group. The, what is it? What is it? The Obsessed with Disappeared podcast discussion group. I actually went in the Facebook group. Patrick hasn't noticed it yet. I changed it to Obsessed and Disappeared. And um, <laughs> join us every Friday night at 6 p.m. Eastern. We go live on our Instagram. We take your questions. We talk about the episode from the night before. Patrick falls out of chairs. Hamsters show up. I sit in front of my Christmas tray. Yep. And it's a great time. Also, I'm on TikTok. Okay, you only get it in the intro or the outro, so pick. No, I want it on both. 
I'm on TikTok because it's confusing because it's got my middle name. Oh, People get God. confused. It's got my middle name. Leave it in both. You guys, she really, really needs attention. Just give it to her. Just give it to her, please. Okay. What do you need to survive? I need compliments. <laughs> what do you need to survive? Vodka. Vodka. <laughs> anyway, find Patrick at Hines underscore. You can find me at, at Ellen Marsh if you want to follow the things that I do and see my cats and my kids. We love you guys. Love you. Bye. <laughs> I know. It's going to be a bad one. Season three, episode four. I can't say the word four. <laughs> Season three, episode four. The far- I can't. I can't just. But this is how my cameos would go. Hey! 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 Like that, those are my cameo. I, every last one of them. No, baby, those were your cameos. <laughs> <laughs> you're really loving this. You're re- you're really really loving this, girl. I'm kind of hungry. If I were to walk into a French bakery right now, what do you, what do you suggest I order? Oh, um, you know what is really good this time of year is the what? <laughs> <laughs> It's just evolved to having no sound. It's just a bunch of guttural barnyard animal noises. The more silent the second syllable of it is. It's just a... Whoa. It's just a... Whoa. Oh, my God. I hate myself. Oh, that was a bad picture day, Tank. Sorry yeah. about that, girl. Sorry, Tank. If you ever said that word in front of me, Okay, don't lose your voice. You have cameos to do. No, you don't. You pulled yourself off cameo. <laughs> Come to my window. God, you I'll do... be home soon. Could you, like, please dig a little deeper in the lesbian canon than, like, each lesbian's most famous song? You literally were about to be like, I went to the mountain. I went to the mountain. I went to I the mountain. I went to the mountain. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I mean, because sis can be a loving term, but it can be also be like, no, okay, sis. <laughs> like, it's like the only word that can be like, oh, I love you, sis. Or be but like. But you never, I feel like you only say that word when you're shouting. What you talking about, sis? <laughs> I'm Breckenridge, sis. 